The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. So, again, welcome. And uh, after making a few brief comments this morning, a few sort of hopefully useful, suggestive uh, pointers, I'd like to talk at just a little more length about this idea of balance in practice. And uh, again, just to recap, when we first sit, bring attention to the posture, bring attention to the breath, we establish this initial balance between alertness and ease. As we continue through a sit, we also continually rebalance effort and allowing. Deep in practice, there can be this sense of balancing between not having strong preferences, not being for experience or against experience. And then in this larger architecture of practice, there can be a balance that we return to again and again between striving, trying to get somewhere, be someone, prove something, be, get better, and be a better people in the world, and complacency or a sense of staleness maybe in the practice. And something occurred to me as I as we did some interviews, which is I don't want to give the impression that the idea in practice is to establish balance and then we're sort of in some kind of autopilot. The practice is about constantly rebalancing. And this is where a metaphor like riding a bike or pushing a scooter seems to be handy. Um, another metaphor for in a more uh, contemporary vein would be using, um, what do we call it in a car, uh, cruise control. You know, you set cruise control, but in, particularly in the Bay Area, but even out in the middle of the desert, eventually you're going to need gas. You're going to have to move up, the, click up the speed slightly to pass a truck. You're going to have to slow down because there's a little congestion of some sort. Um, so it's, it's the, like so much in practice, it's not that we, and in life, it's not that we establish a balance and then stick there. It's that we constantly rebalance. We constantly are engaged in this rebalancing effort. So all of this about balance that I've shared thus far is, is, is part of the oral tradition in our, in our lineage. Uh, it's not something that's found or rare, very rarely found in the texts in which the early teachings come down to us. And sometimes it's useful to recognize that in our practice, there are these two streams of instruction. There's ancient teachings as we find them in the texts, and then there's this oral tradition that's passed from teachers to students and held in community and shared here. I said uh, only infrequently is this addressed explicitly in the teachings. But there are, some, there are some cases, and one of them I thought we could dig into a little bit on a Saturday morning here at IMC. It's not uncommon that when you pull out a book of this size of ancient teachings, um, there can be a collective, not groan, but um, 
a sense of skepticism about uh, how can this ancient these ancient texts with their repetitive and sometimes dry language uh, provide a little lightness in what's really shaping up to be quite a beautiful day. Um, but I think this text from the Anguttara Nikaya, the collect the um, numerical discourses, is is one such text, and it goes like this. The story is this begins, of course, with thus. Have I heard? On one occasion, the Buddha was dwelling among the Bhagas at Sumaninagira in the deer park at Besakala Grove. There's always a setting of, of place, but let's just pretend this is this room. We could say, Thus have I heard on one occasion. The Buddha practitioners were gathered at IMC. And on this occasion, the Buddha noticed, uh, the, the, came to the Buddha's attention that one of his principal disciples, um, uh, a practitioner named Mogalana, and frequently called Mogalana the Great or Maha Mogalana, was dozing during the meditation period. You know, his head must have been fallen down on his chest as he meditated, an experience that I expect is shared by all of us here from time to time. And the uh, Buddha takes it upon himself, and I'm, I'm casting this kind of freely, but I'll, I'll talk, I'll get into some of the language too, but the Buddha takes it upon himself to go over and say something to the effect of, uh, I could be wrong, Mogalana, but uh, it, occurred, it, it, it appeared as if you were dozing off during the meditation practice. And Mogalana says, I was, teacher. <laughs> you, you caught me. He doesn't say you caught me. Um... And the Buddha provides the following instructions for what, what to do when drowsiness happens. I love the fact that this is, it, 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 uh, I love the fact uh, that these are human practitioners just like us, and that 25 years ago, roughly, people dozed off in practice, and uh, the Buddha noticed and provided some stimulating instruction to help establish this critical early balance in practice simply between the ease that can come that can lead easily to daydreaming fantasy and drowsiness, particularly perhaps on a beautiful Saturday morning after a long, busy week. can be some drowsiness in practice. And here's the instruction that the Buddha provides Mogalana. It says, Mogalana, if, um, if you have trouble, if you're not able to attend to or cultivate the object that you're attending to, typically the breath, um, Perhaps it's possible that there are some tricks of the trade that can um, abandon, that will help you abandon your drowsiness. If, for example, you're unable to shake off your drowsiness, um, you can bring your attention to the teachings. It says here, you can ponder, examine, mentally inspect the Dhamma as you have heard it and learned it. And by such means, perhaps it is possible that your drowsiness will be abandoned. So this is an instruction that sometimes when you're sitting in practice, it's useful to recognize that part of establishing that balance can be bringing some teaching in. And this can be as simple as noticing, for example, that when there's drowsiness, there can be some frustration with it. There can be a sense of, I shouldn't be drowsy. Things should be other than they are. And we know from the teachings, as communicated to us by Gil and others here at IMC, that that frustration, that aspect of what we're adding to experience that's extra is where suffering arises. We recognize that. We recognize, oh, there's the tension and stress that are there with the suffering. And as we bring attention to it, there can be a easeful holding of it. 
So we can bring the teachings into our practice in a way that um, can stimulate engagement with uh, practice. He says, but Moggallana, if this doesn't help you abandon drowsiness, you can recite the Dhamma as you have heard it and learned it, and perhaps by this means you can uh, abandon some drowsiness. And there will be many different ways to do this, but if you're drowsy in practice or you find that your practice is feeling kind of stale, pull out one of your Dharma books, read a paragraph, read some Dharma-influenced haiku, um, but bring the teachings into your own voice. Maybe you read it out loud, maybe just read it to yourself, and you can use that the Buddha suggested in this particular case to Moggallana as a way to um, fight drowsiness. The Buddha goes on to say, if you cannot abandon your drowsiness in this way, you should get up, uh, you should pull both ears and rub your limbs with your hands. So the classic, you'll see people do this, I do this, pull your earlobes if you're drowsy in practice. It's interesting, the earlobes we hardly have connection with, and that's one of the reasons that if you rub them and pinch them, it can bring quite a bit of um, useful sensory um, stimulation in in a place that's unexpected and can really bring some alertness. Rubbing your arms, easy to do in a pretty chilly IMC this morning. But again, maybe a larger message here is simply to bring attention back to the body and notice um, sensation in the body in a way that can bring alertness. If this, rubbing your earlobes, maybe this is how the Buddha came to have such long earlobes. Um, if this, pulling your earlobes, rubbing your limbs with your hands does not uh, help you abandon drowsiness, uh, you should get up from your seat, rub your eyes with water, survey all quarters, look around, and look up at the constellations and stars. This is if you're meditating the evening. The next one says, if this doesn't help and it's daytime, um, you should attend to the perception of light. And many of us have found it's a classic instruction if there's drowsiness happening to open your eyes. There's another implicit instruction here, which is if, if, you're, if your practice is stale because you're always sitting in the same place or the same time of day, to, to look around and take advantage of um, the day, the light, whatever's available in the visual sphere as a way of bringing some awakeness or alertness to practice. If this doesn't help you abandon your uh, drowsiness, the Buddha suggests to Moggallana, try some walking back and forth, perceiving what's behind you, what's in front, what your sense faculties draw into your mind, what you notice with the mind upon walking back and forth. In other words, do a little walking meditation. Walking meditation can be quite stimulating. Uh, when there's drowsiness in practice. Sometimes in the middle of a sit, the beginning of a sit, end of a sit, it's useful to just walk a few paces. Bring some of that um, bodily sort of kinetic energy to a place that stimulates practice. And finally, and this is where I think uh, there's useful advice to all of us, uh, if, if none of these things help you abandon drowsiness, take a nap. It says, Um, Lie down on the right side in the lion's posture, the lying meditation posture, with one foot overlapping the other, mindful, clearly comprehending. And after noting in your your mind the idea of rising after a short period, and when you awaken, get up quickly thinking, I'm not going to fall deeper into sleep. I'm not going to engage in the pleasure of sloth or the pleasure of sleep, but rather get back up and get back to practice. 
So here's a bunch of tricks. The thing I'd like to point out in the remaining minute or so of talk is that um, this is the Buddha talking to one of his principal disciples about apparently about drowsing off and it has this very specific advice from rubbing the earlobes down to uh, you know rethinking thinking through aspects of the teaching as a way to uh, stimulate practice and to abandon drowsiness the Buddha frequently um, worked at many levels in his teachings and I wouldn't be surprised if there's also a message here to Moggallana the great even perhaps um, about about complacency in practice. These very same things can be ways to bring some balance into our practice when we find ourselves, particularly um, if meditation's going well, brings a certain amount of ease, the keen suffering that maybe first brought us to practice is attenuated a bit by time or by good practice. It's easy to get into a kind of a place where they're where we're sort of just comfortable with the way things are going and our practice isn't actually getting particularly deep. And by that it simply means maybe there's not as much deep letting go that, that, that we're doing that can still be done to keep our practice on track and sort of um, alert and alive. And each of these things has a parallel um, that is um, re-engaging with the teachings, reconnecting with our, um, with our aspirations in our practice, um, mixing up our practice so that we're doing more walking or more sitting or more standing practice, and getting a good nap. That is, really focusing on taking care of the body. We live in a culture where we got artificial light on till late at night. We're binge watching Netflix, some of us. Um, until late into the evening, we self-medicate the next morning with caffeine. And um, we're not really providing the sort of rest to our bodies that support practice. So you can read this on many levels. I like the, I find it useful to pull the eardrum, the uh, earlobes. Not to pull the eardrums. Don't do that. Don't try that at home. But pulling the earlobes to sort of bring some alertness to practice. But also think about ways to rebalance, continually bring attention back to how the practice is on the larger scale when there's too much striving, when we're trying to be better at it than the next person. But more likely with long practice when we're falling into a little bit of drowsiness, nodding off like Moggallana the Great. We can follow in his footsteps, take the Buddha's good advice, and uh, keep our practices in good balance. Thank you. <laughs>